This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hey there, welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the path to wellness with Adrian Griffin. There are some really key factors that we know work and help to support perinatal moms and dads and anybody dealing with a perinatal mental health condition. And Postpartum Support Virginia have come up with a really nice way to outline what all of those factors are. And we're going to go over all of those with Adrian today. She is the founder and executive director of Postpartum Support Virginia. Adrienne started a PSVA to fill a gap in services. When she experienced postpartum depression and anxiety in 2002, it took almost six months to find the help she needed. Since then, she's been providing information, outreach, and support to new mothers and the healthcare providers who serve them. For her efforts, Adrienne was selected as the Peer Specialist of the Year by the National Council for Behavioral Health in January 2016 and a Woman of Vision by Arlington County's Commission on the Status of Women in June 2018. Adrian graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy and has a master's in public policy from Harvard's Kennedy School of Government. Her early career included military and federal government service at the White House, Pentagon, and IRS. Adrian lives in Arlington, Virginia with her husband and three children. So I really hope as we get into this episode, it highlights for you the fundamentals of getting care and how important it is to attend to some of these so that we can be stepping into our wellness as soon as possible. Let's meet Adrian. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thanks, Kat. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, I really love what you're bringing to us today, and I'm excited to really give a resource to everyone through the work that you're doing. So yeah, just give us a sense of what you're doing with the Path to Wellness, and we'll give some people some tools. Okay, great. So the Path to Wellness is my attempt, or Postpartum Support Virginia's attempt, to kind of put on one page all the things that moms can do to help themselves recover from postpartum depression or anxiety or perinatal mood or anxiety disorders. And so, you know, when I was volunteering with PSI 
oh, several years ago, I kept saying sort of the same things over and over to people. Well, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. And I thought, you know what, why don't I just put it all down on one piece of paper so I can just send them the piece of paper. So, and you know, it's not rocket science. It's all the things that we know fit together to help moms recover. Mm -hmm. And so it sort of starts with the basics and moves up through self-care to social support, therapy, and medication. And the way I envision it is almost like building blocks or a scaffolding Mm -hmm. where we start with the thing that is most widely accessible, which is self-care and which costs nothing and which benefits most mothers. And then sort of we work our way up through interventions that become perhaps increasingly difficult to attain or more expensive, but also that fewer moms need, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So we always start with self-care and, you know, self-care has sort of gotten a bad rap these days as, oh, you know, self-care going to the spa or, you know, getting your nails done or whatever. But this is like basic stuff that we need to do so that we can function as human beings, never mind as moms who are experiencing a mental health issue. Right. So we always start with the self-care and there's four key components for that. Eat, sleep, exercise, and time off. And, you know, whenever I talk about this, whenever I do a presentation or talk to new moms about this, we always start with sleep. And I could spend the next 45 minutes or the next four days talking about how important sleep is, (laughs) you know, that is really the most important thing. And then we sort of layer on top of that, you know, getting proper nutrition, getting Mm -hmm. some exercise and getting some much needed time off. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's all basic stuff, but that sort of goes out the window when you're a new mom, right? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, people say sleep. Yeah, right. When? How? So when you're talking to moms about this, how do you help them to understand or incorporate self-care? Right. So we always you talk about, you know, if you're going to be a good mom to your children, you have to be a good mom to yourself. And that moms really need to recover from the physical and emotional challenges that they face either during pregnancy, during labor and delivery, or in the immediate postpartum period. You know, Being pregnant and delivering a baby is sheer hard work. You know, we're growing another human being. It's sapping all of our resources physically. We don't even realize it. And then we go through the demands of labor and delivery. And for some women, you know, it can really, really wipe them out if you've had a C-section or a prolonged labor, you know, and our healthcare system just doesn't really take care of moms very well. We send moms home after a couple of days in the hospital. I'm like, okay, you're on your own. And, and, (laughs) you know, it's like, they don't even give you the basics about, you know, you should not go up and down stairs or, you know, you shouldn't be resting or or whatever. They're like, do whatever feels good. So Mm -hmm. we sort of take it back down to the basics. And, you know, I always focus with sleep initially. And I say to new moms, you know, you really need to target getting four to five hours of uninterrupted sleep. Mm -hmm. And of course, New moms laugh or cry because seriously, how do you bring that together? Right. And I tell the story about how I did it. So yeah, I had postpartum issues after my second, and then we decided to have a third baby and we put a lot more things in place. And the very first thing that we put in place was ensuring that I had my four to five hours of protected sleep. I'm a very mm-hmm. sleep sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And so we decided from the get go that the baby was going to get at least one bottle a day. Mm-hmm. And just so I could give up at least just one feeding. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after breastfeeding was well established and all that, so after a couple of weeks, we recognized that baby number three was sleeping mostly during the early part of the evening. And so, you know, I would get the four-year-old and the two-year-old in bed at eight o'clock. And literally at 8.05, I would go down to the basement, 
you know, put my earplugs in, <laughs> curl up on the sofa or the, you know, we had a guest bedroom down there and my husband would stay up with our infant and, you know, it was World Series time and he loves baseball. So he's like, fine, I'll stay up. <laughs> and, you know, he would give her a bottle of breast milk or a bottle of formula or a bottle of beer. I don't know. I don't <laughs> care. Cause like right. I needed that sleep. I had three little people to take care of. Like sleep yeah. is not a luxury when right. you're a new mom. It is a necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, and I explained to women about the sleep cycles, about how, you know, with each sleep cycle, you go into a little bit more deep sleep. And it, it isn't until you get that four to five hours of connected sleep that you've gone through enough deep sleep where it's been restorative. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I would sleep from like 8 p.m. to like, you know, midnight or 1 a.m. And I was mostly breastfeeding. So I'd wake up because of course I needed to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And then I would sort of take over and be in charge of the baby. And my husband would get his four to five hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's very unromantic. And, (laughs) you know, lots of women, like I just talked to a new mom a couple of days ago and she said, you know, I guess the baby's like two months old and, you know, she's, you know, not feeling well. So we were talking about sleep and I said, well, what time does the baby go to sleep at night? And she said, well, usually like around, Eight. And I said, well, when do you go to sleep? She goes, well, like around 10. I said, well, what are you doing in those two hours? Well, you know, I'm sitting with my husband. We're connecting. We're talking about our day. I said, I know that's lovely. Right. But your priority right now needs to be taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we have this glorified image that we're just thinking, you know, it's all going to be so lovely. And we're going to be gazing into our husband eyes, husband's <laughs> eyes or our partner's eyes or whatever. And I'm like, this is about survival. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Blatant. So got to get through this. It, yeah. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. And we got to get through this, and sleep is the number one thing that we start with. Yeah, because if you're without sleep, like you just cannot function. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason that sleep deprivation is used as a form of torture for prisoners of war, because after a certain amount of time of not getting that sleep, like your brain just doesn't function anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, right. That's like at the foundation of all of this, that is a great, great place to start. Right, right. So I love that. Yeah. So the self-care is sort of the foundation. So after we talk about sleep, and I can come back and talk more about sleep, then we talk about nutrition, eating properly. And we say new moms need to eat every time that they feed baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a gourmet meal, but like <laughs> nutrient dense, high protein, frequent snacks and lots of water. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I remember, you know, when my babies would be breastfeeding and I'd sit down with them and I'm like, you know, because they're crying, you pick them up, you sit down right away and stop them, you start feeding them. And then I'm like, okay, I forgot my water bottle, I forgot <laughs> my granola bar, you know, now I'm stuck here for the next 30 minutes while this baby's feeding and I can't get up. And so we talk about maybe stocking a feeding station. Mm -hmm. at wherever, you know, if you typically sit in the same place to feed baby, stock a feeding station for yourself. Put the cooler there with some snacks, maybe a sandwich or yogurt or cheese sticks, water bottles, whatever. And then you're always ready. And this is something that like, you know, dad can do or a friend or somebody who says, what can I do to help? Stock the feeding station, Mm -hmm. right? Make it easy for mom. We need to be taking care of mom so she can take care of baby. So... Uh, you know, especially if mom is breastfeeding, because, you know, mom is spending extra calories in the breast milk and in making breast milk. So she does need to be replenishing herself throughout the course of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's one yeah. of those things that just eating kind of goes by the wayside. I can't even just count how many times I hear people say it comes to three o'clock and they realize they haven't had anything yet to right. eat for the day. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's really well, hard to function you know- without food. It is. And if you have more than one child, like I do remember, again, having like the five, the two and a half and the newborn. Mm. And like what I ate that day consisted of like, you know, bread crusts from their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And, (laughs) you know, like not healthy food. We sort of have to take if you can take those five or 10 minutes to get yourself organized for food for yourself Mm -hmm. for the day. That can be helpful. Yeah. So, okay. So sleep, eat, exercise. And again, when I say exercise to new moms, they all laugh because they think I'm talking about running them from Boston Marathon. No, no, I'm talking about like some gentle exercise. And mostly what I talk about is, you know, getting outside and getting for a walk around the block, around the neighborhood, around, you know, the community center, around the mall, wherever you feel safe, putting baby in a stroller or in the baby Bjorn or the tummy pack and getting outside. And it's amazing what happens with the change of scenery, the fresh air, the vitamin D from the sun, mm-hmm. you know, endorphins that are released when you exercise, like all of those things together make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It seems like for some moms, it's really hard to get outside sometimes just because of, you know, it can feel like a lot, but you know, every time someone actually is able to get outside, they typically feel better. Absolutely. And, you know, I was holding somebody's baby the other day who was fussy And I said, let's just go outside for a second. And you walk outside and baby always stops crying. It's the strangest thing. It's Mm -hmm. like the fresh air or the change in barometric pressure or something. I don't know. But (laughs) sure, this is anecdotal. There's no evidence-based study on this. But (laughs) it does seem that, you know, just having that change in scenery does a lot for baby who's crying too. So, and it's something that mom can then say she did at the end of the day. Hey, I took my walk, you know, Mm -hmm. 
and feel accomplished. And, and it's huge. I remember getting that baby all bundled up, getting the two-year-old, the five-year-old, getting everybody in their winter coats or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, baby would need a diaper change and we'd start all over. And so, you know, it is quite an accomplishment when you mm-hmm. have a new baby to get out for a walk. So your mom needs to pat herself on the back and recognize that she's done something yeah, important. Totally. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So we did sleep, eat, exercise, and then time off. And again, I mean a little bit of time. Like, can you get 10 or 15 minutes to yourself to figure out what makes you better for the day? Mm. Like, you know, maybe for some women, it's doing a little bit of yoga or some deep breathing or some meditation or journaling. For me, it was getting a shower. You know, I needed to know that my husband was in charge of all three children and that I could get a shower before he left for work. Because otherwise it wasn't going to happen all day. And that was just not good for anybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just spending a little time of figuring out what you need if you had 10 or 15 minutes that would make you feel like you could get through the day. So, right. You're not talking about going for a spa day. It doesn't have to be a big production. Although, fine, if you can do a spa day, go for it. But this is Absolutely. But this is like on a daily basis. These four things, sleep, eat, exercise, time off. And, you know, you may not get all four of them every day, but if you can sort of start to work them into your routine, Mm -hmm. it makes a huge difference. And like, I remember when somebody was telling me this, and I was like, oh, yeah, right. Like, how is this going to help? I feel like all I really want to do is run away and go sleep for a month. But, you know, you slowly start filling yourself up again. Like, you know, your moms are so depleted. Our reserves are down. So we have no patience, no room for error. Like, I remember the smallest thing would just set me off because I was so just exhausted and overwhelmed and was not taking care of the basic needs. It's hard. It's hard when you're stretched yeah. so thin. Yeah. To keep it together. Your patience is low. Irritation is high. <laughs> yeah. Just having yep. those couple of minutes can be powerful. Absolutely. And it's funny. I've been talking with a new mom recently who has that, the four-year-old, the two-year-old and a newborn. And we're talking about how you know, we used to manage our anxiety. Like I didn't really even know I had anxiety. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I needed a lot of sleep. I right. knew that I needed to exercise to keep my mood level and that I needed to eat healthfully. And I was able to do that when I was young and single because there were no other demands on my time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, to recognize that we need to put those things back in our life is really, really important. Yeah. yeah. And that mom has to take care of herself so she can take care of the rest of the family. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Those are like really important pillars here and foundational things. So thank you for running through that and giving really concrete examples. I mean, like in the fog of new motherhood, uh, new parenthood, it's hard to sometimes just think like logically. And so what actually can I do? And those are really, really great takeaways. Right. And what's really important to recognize is none of those things cost anything. Right. Yeah. They are all things that you can build into your life without paying for anything else. Perfect. Right. Yeah. 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 And there are also great things when somebody says, well, what can I do to help? You know, you can say, okay, could you hold the baby so I can take a shower? Mm -hmm. Could you, you know, stock my feeding station? Mm -hmm. You know, very concrete things that other people can do to help. Yeah. Yeah, That's perfect. Thank you so much for that. Okay. Okay, So so that's all the foundation. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then what comes? So next up the ladder is social support. 
And, you know, this is so, so important for new moms. For all of us, really, we all crave a sense of community. But for new moms who may be, you know, at home for the first time by themselves, you know, so many women now work up until baby is born and then they're at home and they don't know anybody else who's Mm -hmm. at home during the day. All of their friends are working and that was their whole life. And so, you know, getting connected to other women who are going through the same thing in life, whether it's, you know, being a new mom or being a new mom with postpartum depression Mm -hmm. is really important because we all want to be with people who are going through the same thing. It validates what we go through. It normalizes it. It makes us realize that we're not alone, that we're not the only one feeling like this because, you know, most women who go through postpartum depression or anxiety feel like they're the only one who's ever felt like this, that yeah. nobody else could feel this horribly, right? Until right. we start talking with others and we're like, oh, you went through that too? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't want to say misery loves company. That's not it. But it's this mm-hmm. idea that we want to be with people who are going through what we're going through. Yeah. It's a terrible feeling to feel alone. It's right. Really, really hard. Right. So that social support can come in many ways. I mean, you know, fortunately through Postpartum Support International and its various chapters, you know, there's online support, there's virtual support groups, there's in-person support groups, there's volunteers that you can talk to on the phone, you know, new moms groups and breastfeeding groups and La Leche League and all kinds of groups are available for new moms. You've got to do a little bit of work sometimes to find them and maybe to find the group that works for you. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of opportunities for free social support. And you can even create it on your own. Like, you know, fortunately, my two sisters were having children at the same time. And, you know, now through texting and FaceTime and all kinds of stuff, I mean, you can right. build that social support right through your phone. Right. Yeah, but they're totally. also, that does not take the place of sort of in-person social support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can feel supported both ways, but there is something absolutely about being able to sit with other moms in person. That's really powerful. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it is funny because we do have these devices and, you know, lots of moms will be on Facebook or Instagram or whatever while they're sitting, feeding their baby or whatever. And yet they still say they feel so alone. There is something about that in-person support that's just an intangible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just... Human connection. It's really hard to feel that through devices sometimes. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you need like a knowing glance or, you know, just to see somebody else's head nodding (laughs) while you're talking. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? That is so validating. It is. Yeah. And and that's what I always say. Our support groups do three things. They normalize, they validate, and they offer hope. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of the magic of the support group or postpartum support group is that you see moms who are starting to recover and they can give advice and support and encouragement to the new moms and the new moms can see, Oh, in a few months I can actually, you know, be feeling better. Yeah, and so the mom who's feeling better can look back and say, wow, I've really come a long way. Yeah. So it's mutually beneficial. Yeah. De- most definitely. I have seen that too. And it, it's a beautiful process to watch as a therapist, you know, and I just love to see people go through that process of getting it and realizing that they're not alone. It's so cool. Right. And then we can also compliment mom when she's doing something that's positive for her baby. Like I can't tell you how many times, you know, mom will be talking in support group and she'll be like, Oh, I'm such a bad mother. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help my baby. I don't know that, you know, Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Meanwhile, you know, she's doing everything right. She's rocking baby or she's feeding baby or she's burping baby. And we can say to her, but look, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I am? Oh, I am, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're getting this positive feedback for just doing what comes naturally. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's really hard to translate, you know, when you feel bad, it's hard to imagine that you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Feelings are so intense, but yeah, absolutely. I've definitely seen people doing a really, really good job of mothering while they feel terrible. Right, right. And so we can point that out to them and give that positive reinforcement. And again, all of these support groups are free, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so cool. uh, great. And most of them, I mean, all of the postpartum support groups that Postpartum Support Virginia runs, and I'm guessing most through Postpartum Support International, you know, you can bring your baby, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no need to find a babysitter or if you're feeling anxious about leaving baby alone. You know, of course, we welcome everybody can bring what we say babies in arms. Yeah. And yeah. So again, it's free. You don't have any babysitting needs. Our groups are all open to women who are either pregnant or in their first year postpartum. And yeah, just another opportunity, another tool in the toolkit on the way to recovery. Yeah, I think it's a really powerful one for sure. Yeah, and I know support groups aren't for everybody, mm-hmm. but it is really a great way. Some people come once, they get the information they need, they've made a few connections, they feel better. Other women come repeatedly, you know, they come back when they're pregnant again the second time to put supports mm-hmm. in place so it doesn't happen again. So social support is really pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. I've seen it help so many people too. So you did mention though that for some people, social support is not for them. What do you suggest for people who feel that way? Or for like if that group's so, not for them? Right, right, right. So the next piece of the puzzle is talk therapy or counseling. And we have found that, I mean, studies have shown that short-term Pragmatic therapy in the postpartum period can be amazingly helpful to mostly have mom be able to gain some kind of control over her emotions and to find some symptom relief. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a therapist, but I've been working in this field for about 10 years. And all the therapists that I talk with who specialize in treating women with PMADs say that this is, you know, not time for like Freudian psychoanalysis. Right. No. It's like symptom relief, emotional control, get mom coping so that she can be a good mom for her baby. And so, you know, the therapists that we recommend typically use either cognitive behavioral therapy or interpersonal therapy, you know, coupled a lot with mindfulness approaches to within, you know, a short amount of sessions, six to eight to 10 sessions or so, you know, mom is able to start feeling better. Right. And yeah, you're a therapist. You could probably talk a little bit more about this. (laughs) Oh, just in terms of talk therapy. Yeah, that's very common in terms of my practice too, that people are coming in really need stabilization first and kind of the shoring up and getting all of the points you're talking about, getting these foundational things in place. And sometimes it's like, you know, we're doing a lot of problem solving. How to do that? Who do you talk to? How can you have that conversation if it's, you know, if you're especially for moms who typically don't ask for help. It can be hard to find the language for that. So we might be going into just some, you know, problem solving to help get them feeling shored up and get some of the sleep under their belt and eating and having those connections and helping them to not feel alone. And then once there's a little bit more, you know, they kind of feel out of the fog a little bit, then if there are other 
deeper issues or things that are coming up from either their past or that are complications of their current relationships, then we can start working on that to help the finer points, help them through those points. But really until those foundational things are in place and they're feeling stable, getting into deep rooted, you know, past trauma type stuff is more destabilizing. Sometimes it depends, but yeah, so pretty much exactly what you said. Yeah, it's funny. One of the therapists that I really admire here in the DC area, she describes women as being very brittle in this time frame. Yeah. And the idea is like, you know, they're like on the verge of cracking and it's sort of like, okay, softening them up a little bit so that they're not about to crack, Yeah, that they're not going to lose it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you said, sort of making them more pliable kind mm-hmm. of and, and expand, giving more bandwidth and more resiliency. And then, like you said, then you can do a deeper dive into if there's any particular issues that are surfacing during this time frame. Yeah. Yeah. And those can be really powerful. You know, sometimes people are coming in for therapy and maybe they kind of knew that they could use therapy a long time ago, but this whole motherhood thing has kind of pushed them into, okay, I really you know, want to deal with some of this stuff now because I don't want it to affect my kids or I want to have a better relationship mm-hmm. or so on and so forth. So it can take many, many different routes, but really, you know, helping people to feel, you know, stabilized and more pliable, like you said, is really the first goal. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same page about that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so then in addition to therapy is medication if necessary. Yeah. And, you know, we never or hardly ever, if I'm, I'm talking with new moms, do we ever jump right to the medication aspect? And unfortunately, you know, that's what our public persona sort of is about depression. You need medication. Oh, right, right. Uh, you know, that there's all these other things that you can do And yes, maybe add some medication to it. And fortunately, there are medications that are safe to take if a woman is either pregnant or breastfeeding. You know, a lot has changed in that world. Yeah. Um, You know, even up until, you know, 10 years ago, and unfortunately, we still have some cases where, you know, an obstetrician will say to a woman who's pregnant, well, you need to go off your antidepressant medication if you're on it, or she won't treat a mom, won't put her on medication. And similarly, we have some psychiatrists who say, well, if you're pregnant, I can't treat you. You know, fortunately, through the work of people like you and Postpartum Sport International and others, you know, we now know that medication is a real and safe option in many, many cases. I know in the PSI video, they talk about how if you were diagnosed, say, with diabetes, Mm -hmm. you know, you would not only be prescribed insulin, but there would be changes in your lifestyle, whether it was diet or exercise or whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, similar to mental health issues. I mean, there's lots of ways to approach it. And medication is one of the many tools that we have. Yeah. And sometimes it's life-saving, really. Yeah. When symptoms get that intense. I mean, it's absolutely an option. And you know, just like you were saying, unfortunately, there's just so much misconception out there and misinformation about what is safe and not, you know, like as you were talking about, I was thinking about this one client I have who, uh, you know, is taking a medication while nursing, but it's a very low dose and the provider won't increase the dose because they said, well, I can't increase the dose because you're breastfeeding. And it's such a low dose already that it's not really effective. And I'm like, well, here, call these people. They know how to, you can consult with Postpartum Support International and that. And you, and with an actual reproductive psychiatrist, you can get actual information. And sometimes patients and clients are having to advocate for themselves to get the medication they want. 
I know. I know. And it's so hard. You're already so overwhelmed and confused and, you know, you're getting these mixed messages about medication mm-hmm. and yeah, it can be really, really confusing for moms. Yeah. And of course, you know, and that approach of, well, I'm not going to increase your dosage. Well, I mean, then what good is it to be on medication? Now you're exposing the baby to both the medication and the illness, right? right. Yeah. One of the psychiatrists that we work with all the time, her number one thing is, you know, treat to remission. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. going to be taking medication, take enough of it where you're realizing the benefits. Otherwise, you're just exposing yourself to both the illness and the medication. Yeah. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Yeah, it's hardly, you know, and hardly I, find it, I know, you know, it's so interesting. If a woman is pregnant and say she has to take thyroid medication, mm-hmm. you know, nobody would ever suggest to her that she stop taking her thyroid medication. Right. Or if she were diabetic, nobody would say, well, stop taking your insulin. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, if she had some other illness and yet, when women with mental health issues become pregnant, oftentimes they are told to stop taking their antidepressant. Like, why is mental health medicine optional? I don't that know. doesn't make any sense. I know. Yeah, I share your frustration. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just terrible. But I think with like conversations like you're having right now and that we're having right now, and even just a beautiful infographic that you made for Postpartum Support Virginia, having all of this just outlined, here it is, self-care, here it is, social support, talk therapy, medication, it really adds to the destigmatization and it adds to the, you know, people feeling like, oh, this is actually a valid form of support for me. I don't have to feel ashamed. I can just go do this. 
Right, right, right. And, you know, we say with this whole path to wellness that there's these different pieces and some combination of all of these different things is going to help every woman get well again. You know, for yeah. some, just getting that sleep is enough. For mm-hmm. some, it's that talk therapy. For others, it's a little bit of all of these things, mm-hmm. you know, put together. Yeah. Right. And that there's no shame in any of these things. And they are all valuable interventions. You know, it's so funny. I've been doing this volunteer work with through PSI for a long time. And one of my colleagues and I, Lynn McIntyre, who was the coordinator in DC for many, many years, you know, we would answer phones, we talked to moms, we'd encourage them to support a group or whatever. And we would never hear from them again. And we're like, gosh, you know, what are we doing wrong? Why aren't they coming to our support group? Why aren't they getting to the therapist that we recommended? And we finally realized that sometimes just the intervention of talking to us on the phone right. was enough to get that mom going in the right direction. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That's so Yeah, true. so is that social support aspect again just not in the support group form? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I'm sure what you do all the time is validation and saying, yeah, this is a thing. It exists. You're not crazy. There's help and right. support for this. And even just that I find is so, so powerful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's still so, you know, all this good work that we're all doing, and it's still so frustrating that, right. you know, women are going into pregnancy and into motherhood without this being talked about, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know why we do our moms collectively such a disservice, but this is the most common complication of pregnancy and childbirth right. and yet still not talked about. So, I mean, we're getting there. We're certainly making changes, but it is still a little frustrating, you know? Yeah. What's yeah, it going to take? It's very, very frustrating. But I mean, you know, with yeah. the work that you're doing. So like I mentioned before, you have this beautiful infographic and I want to put a link to our show notes so that people can have this and I'm, I assume they can download it and just look at it. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Download, copy, reproduce, put it in your own words, you know, whatever works for you. I actually sort of tailored this from Jane Honickman had her plan of action included like seven or nine different steps. And I couldn't remember all of them. So I tried to condense it down into the four that I could remember. Yeah. So this is not rocket science. This is really, you know, it's out there. This is what everybody knows is really what moms need to do to recover. Yeah. And that's what I think is so beautiful about this is that, no, it's not rocket science, but when we're faced with things that we don't understand, it feels like it's going to be a mystery to solve it. And when you see it in the infographic, like you guys have laid it out, it's just like, oh, it's just that simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. You don't have to spend a million dollars to get better. There are things you can do right now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to go back to the sleep thing because I did forget to mention something really, really, a couple of important points. You know, one is, well, what about for a mom who's a single mom? Mm -hmm. How is she ever going to get this? connected sleep. And so, you know, one of the things that we help do is sort of brainstorm, okay, who is in your life who can help? You know, if you don't have a partner, how about your mom, sister, a cousin, an aunt, your grandmother? Do you have a friend who's a single mom? Mm -hmm. You know, how about if the two of you get together on the weekend and have a sleepover and you take the first shift and she takes the second shift? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not be able to get seven nights a week where you have four to five hours of connected sleep. But if you can get you know, two or three nights in a row, yeah. that will certainly help restore. You yeah. know, so this isn't like, okay, if I can't do it perfectly, should I even try it? Well, yes, of course, we want you to help find ways to get some of this done. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for bringing um, that in. That's so true. 
Yeah, the other one that I hear all the time is, you know, well, my partner, my husband, whoever, he or she works, goes to work. And so I can't ask him to get up in the middle of the night. I'm like, hang on one second, time out. <laughs> you worked up until the day the baby was born, right? What is easier, going to work or staying home with a newborn? Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody agrees going to work is probably a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, we say, you know, okay, so try this, you know, negotiate with your partner and say, all right, so I heard that, let's see if, if, if I go to bed early and maybe get four or five hours of sleep, I've heard this is supposed to be really helpful. How about if we try this like on Friday night? Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, assuming that the partner doesn't have to go to work on Saturday, they can sort of make up for their sleep. And then, you know, if you do it for two or three nights, you can say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. Could we do it for another couple of nights? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, suddenly, you know, maybe you've gone a week or, you know, baby starts sleeping a little bit longer. Like this isn't forever. And I think this is partly what we need to remember is that like all these things that we're talking about, this is not forever. This is short term, Mm -hmm. you know, until mom starts feeling well again. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a matter of days or weeks. It's not like this is going to go on forever. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And the sooner that you can kind of get on top of your sleep and eating and all these self-care things, the most likely the less time it will take to get to that point where you're feeling better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This is great. Yeah. Those are such good points. That whole negotiating for sleep piece is really hard for some people, but I love how you framed it as kind of like an experiment. Let's see how this works and really emphasizing that this is not forever change. It's just like, you know, we're going to need to do this for a little bit. It's very helpful. It's really useful language for people to take from here and use with their partners. Yeah. As with everything in life, it's just a phase, you know, and especially the new parent, I just remember thinking, I'm never going to sleep again, (laughs) right? Right? So Yeah. Yeah, everything just seems like it's forever, especially if you're up in the middle of the night, you know, Mm -hmm. feeding that baby and you think, I'm the only person in the world who's awake, I'm so Mm -hmm. alone. I mean, I had my postpartum baby was born in December, and so I remember being up in the middle of the night and I'm thinking... Uh, I'm the only person awake. Everybody else is asleep. Everybody in the whole world is asleep. And, you know, she's like, you just tell these, yourself these stories that yeah. just, oh gosh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It makes yeah. it feel even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I know we've talked a lot about getting sleep. I just want to point out that if a mom is sleeping too much, of course, that is a concern. But mostly in this time frame, most of the women that we're dealing with, are not getting enough sleep. And so that's why I focus on this need to get that four to five hours of uninterrupted sleep. The other really big thing is that if mom cannot fall asleep, if she can't fall asleep or stay asleep, that's a concern. So again, whenever I'm talking to a new mom on the phone or in support group or whatever, we do spend a lot of time talking about sleep, about how her sleep is Mm -hmm. and what she can do to maximize it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really great points. Thank you. And yeah, yeah, with the oversleeping or not, you know, just feeling tired all the time, that's often a symptom of depression. It could be something else, but yeah, definitely something to take a look at a little more deeply. Yeah. Thank you for that. Anything else you'd like to wrap up with hopeful messages for moms out there? Oh, I'll just repeat the message that we all know that you moms who are going through this, you are not alone, you are not to blame, and with help, you will be well, and that there is help out there. Postpartum Support International has volunteers in so many states and chapters now. You know, if anybody is looking for help, that's a great place to start, and that, you know, you can get through this, and please, you know, let somebody know that you need help. Yeah, 
And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to talk with you about all this. And, you know, I just love doing this work and helping moms get back on their feet. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being out there and doing all of the beautiful work that you do and for sharing this with us today. It's so helpful. All right. Thanks so much, Kat. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. It's so nice to have these really concrete steps highlighted for us. So it doesn't have to be a mystery. These are things that we can do to get ourselves feeling better, things that you can do or support the people that you are helping and get them the care that they need as well. Postpartum Support Virginia has a beautiful form that has all of this written out that you're welcome to go to their website and print out at postpartumva.org. The sheet is called Path to Wellness. You can also find them on Facebook at Postpartum Support VA. If this is your first time joining us on the Mom and Mind podcast, please find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe so you can get all of these episodes downloaded to you right to your fingertips. Listen whenever you want and share the ones that you think would be really helpful to someone in need. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Mom and Mind. So glad you could be with us today. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.